0: Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shear Jeshub. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the Heavenly Authority series. As you know, we are in the section on the prophets in the Heavenly Authority series in the New Testament and We've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that has given us and will give us information on prophecy and on the gift of tongues. Uh, The next section is a little difficult and we're going to need some background, but let's read it first. Let's go back to where we left off in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18. Paul said, and we studied this, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. We studied that in some detail, if you remember last time. Uh, And then he goes on in verse 21, and this is the new section here. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now remember, um, we've talked about these supernatural manifestations, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember Mark sixteen seventeen, and these signs, signs, signs will follow. Those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And in speaking about these supernatural gifts, these signs, we talked about three applications. On one level, for the individual believer in our walk with the Lord, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to give us power and the ability to worship God and to do those things we need to do on a very individual level. Then we talked about the edifying. Remember that word over and over again, the edifying, the building up of the church. When the church comes together as an assembly, and that's what Paul is primarily addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And then as a sign, a sign for the unbeliever displaying the hand of God to confirm the word of God. And that's what he speaks about here in verse 21. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. It gets a little confusing, doesn't it? Because he says prophesying is not for unbelievers, but believers, and then he speaks about how when you prophesy in the church, if an unbeliever comes in, they can be saved, right? So what is Paul speaking about here, about tongues being as a sign for the unbeliever? Let's get a little background and go back to Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, your post-flood, Noah's descendants have been fruitful and have multiplied, and you read in chapter 11, verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, literally one lip, one language. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, probably a better translation would be as they journeyed in the east, some of your translations will say as they journeyed eastward when they're coming off Mount Ararat, and they're spreading out from there, that they found the plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So as they're in the east, they're not in the area of Israel, what would later become Israel or Canaan. As they're in the east, they find the plain in Shinar. Shinar is the land of southern Mesopotamia, uh, through which the Tigris and the Euphrates flow. You have this fertile crescent, an area that would be good uh, for humans to dwell. Later on, it's known as Babylonia, Chaldea. Secular historians will call it Sumer. Um, This area here, Shinar, they dwell there, and it says in verse 3, Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick instead of or for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord Yahweh said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. Remember, they're all descendants of Adam, they're all descendants of Noah. There was the one original language, and we don't know what that was or what that's like. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down. And they are confused their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, or Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Babel, confusion, that's what the word means, confusion. You have here the people coming together again, and it's like a replay of what happened before the flood, and they desire to be known. They, they want pride, they want a city that speaks about what they can do. And they want a tower that tells of their technological advances. We have this image, and it's given to us from the school system, um, that you go further back, the more primitive people become. And really the Bible teaches just the opposite. The further back you go, the more sophisticated, the more intelligent, the more capable they were. we a shadow physically and mentally of what Adam and Eve were in the original creation. And even coming off the ark into the new environment of decay, they were still quite capable. And they're going to build this city and this tower that would make a name for them to show what they can do. They don't want to be scattered abroad the face of the earth. They want to have the power of unity. And when the Lord comes down, he says, Indeed, the people are one. They're one. They have one language. They're in agreement. And when they work together in agreement, look, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. They can do whatever they want. Nothing will be impossible for them. When you put human beings together and one is gifted one way and one has talents another way, and we're talking about natural gifts, natural talents that God gives every individual at birth, you put us together and we can communicate, tremendous things happen. And think about our society today. Think about the advances over the last 100 years, the last 50 years, as people communicate. Think of how the United States is a center of so many technological advances, where you have people whose roots are from all over the globe, and yet they speak one common language, and all those different personalities and cultures come together, And look what we can accomplish. Look at the technological advances. Imagine telling someone 100 years ago, you'd be able to reach in your pocket and take out a little device and flip it open and talk to anyone anywhere in the world. The technology, the ability, because man is made in the image of God. And he made us to be able to do great things. And when we have one communication, when that language barrier is dropped, and we are one in purpose, we can accomplish great things. Problem is, if we're outside the will of the Lord, we can accomplish great things for evil. And you have here pride, arrogance, no need of God, no mention of God. We will make a name for ourselves, we will build a tower the top of which will reach into the heavens. Think about how we can send spaceships up into the heavens. We can land men on the moon. The technological ability of the human race. We can build a tower, and you know, if it's a ziggurat, that also speaks of false religion. It speaks here of self, of worship of self, and very possibly of demonic interaction which usually goes hand in hand because as people become more selfish, more in what they can do, they look for forces or powers to help them and they start to dabble one way or the other in the occult. And I'm amazed how many times I speak to people who are supposedly intellectual atheists and yet they always have some type of occultic practice to tap into forces or powers. They may say they're not superstitious, but there's always a demonic element even in their materialism even their selfish egoism, a name. And they want to build a tower to the heavens. They want to control the heavenlies. Look what we can do. Self-glorification, no need of God. This tower that seemed so big and so tall to them, how we all were so proud of ourselves when we landed on the moon, and that was not a bad thing. Many of the men in NASA at that time were Christians, were involved in landing on the moon and yet think of it, God comes down right? The tower seems tall to them but God has to come down it's so short to him the moon is so small compared to the whole solar system the whole galaxy, the whole universe that he stretched out with his hand and by his words speaking the existence of the universe and it comes into existence, what are our efforts compared to what God can do. How foolish to say, look at us, that self-glorification. Yet in unity, we can accomplish a lot. Uh, and so there's punishment here. Come, let us go down. He confuses their language. He makes it that they cannot communicate. And when you have no communication, you go into a dark age. And they're forced to scatter as they cannot talk to each other. And the city is left they cease building the city. Some stay in that area. And you have the, later on, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And he scatters them abroad. And you have the start of the nations. Now, is this lack of unity that he causes the heart's desire of God? Is it what he really wants for mankind? Don't forget to visit us on the Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel. We live stream the Sunday message at 10.30 a.m., and then all the programs are up on YouTube to watch 24-7. You can search for the channel on YouTube, or you can use the link we have placed on the shiarjashub.org homepage. Please join us next time for Shiar Jashub.